We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. Young swings and that's a high fly ball. Billikens win! Billikens win! This is Sports Open Live. It's a grand slam! Touchdown! City. On America's Sports Voice, yes! KMOX. 608 on a Monday night here at KMOX. My name's Matt Pauley. We do welcome you into Sports Open Line, a one-hour edition today as uh, we're out of here for Monday Night Football, which means uh, we as St. Louisans, we get to come together tonight and root for the Green Bay Packers because they are playing the Rams, and we as St. Louisans hate the Rams. And we, I always tell people, people ask me, what's your favorite NFL team? And I always say my favorite NFL team is whatever team is playing the Rams that weekend. And tonight the Rams are playing in green Bay and they are taking on the Packers. Here's where I have a problem. And this is a me thing, not a you thing. Um, Having just recently moved here from Wisconsin and how do I say this nicely? Being very glad that I don't live there anymore. Uh, I have never been a big fan of the Packers. So when you talk about the lesser of two evils, for me personally, this absolutely is a lesser of two evils tonight. And I still think, I mean, it doesn't get much more evil than Stan Kroenke. So the lesser of two evils tonight, even with my uh, built-in biases and agendas, the lesser of two evils tonight, still the Packers. Our coverage will begin at 7 o'clock tonight as we can all root against the Rams. All right, uh, here's what we got coming up on the program this evening. Uh, Nate Gatter is going to join us on about 10 minutes or so. We'll talk uh, Missouri basketball. They got a nice win over the weekend. They've been playing well. We'll also talk some World Cup soccer with him as the world continues to be a buzz about uh, yesterday's uh, World Cup final. So we'll talk about uh, that Got some St. Louis Blues hockey to get to later on the hour. We'll hear the pregame comments of uh, Craig Berube. Blues are in action late tonight. It's going to be a late night in Vancouver as they match up against the Canucks this evening. Want to lead off, though, with the news of the weekend. That Dansby Swanson has signed a seven-year, $177 million contract with the Cubs. Now, let me start by saying... I don't begrudge people who make a lot of money. Like, that's just never been my thing. If somebody's willing to give you that money, all right, good for you. Glad somebody was willing to pay you that. So I I even tweeted this out. My, My first inclination when I saw this deal was to completely mock it because the Cubs are paying Dansby Swanson better than $25 million per year in annual average value. 25 and a quarter million dollars per year 
annual average value for Dansby Swanson. This puts me in a situation where, like, Dansby Swanson's a nice player. I hate situations like this because I feel like I'm I'm killing Dansby Swanson. I'm not. I'm not. He's a he's a nice player. He's an above average shortstop. He's a good shortstop. Like there's nothing bad about what he does. But is he worth twenty five million dollars per year over a seven year contract? No, he's not. Good on the Cubs for being willing to spend that money. But he is not worth that on the open market, and that's what he got. I I had to chuckle because I sent out a tweet basically saying exactly what I just said on the radio. And I got one response, and I agreed completely with this response. Somebody said, $25 million sure don't fetch what it used to. No, obviously it doesn't. But then another person tweeted back at me, and it's the old name followed by a bunch of numbers. So for all I know, it's a bot. It's not even a real person. That exists a lot on Twitter in case you haven't been following along. And but this 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 potential real person, potential bot, um said fans need to track down DeWitt and Mosaloc and then hang them on top of Bush Stadium until until they drop for all the years of lies, deception, and stealing the fans' money. We are sick of it and it's time to riot. Okay. Few things there, a little, a little over the top there. First off, we do not, we do not condone any form of violence here at Sports Open Line. That's the first thing here. Uh, the second thing is that tweet was written on December seventeenth. Sports producer extraordinaire Matt Pajeski, correct me if I'm wrong here, but are the Cardinals playing a game tomorrow? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Okay, all right, just making sure, and. If that is your response because the Cubs just paid Dansby Swanson $25 million a year, I, you are out of touch. I want. I still think the Cardinals have some things to do. I am not comfortable with the left-handed bat situation on the roster right now. I am just not. I am a track record guy, and they don't have anybody. And relying on a Nolan Gorman, just assuming that he's going to take that next step forward. He very well could, but you can't completely rely on it. You have to, you have to have redundancies available in case that doesn't happen. The outfield, the outfield is filled with people who do not have track records. Lars Newtbar doesn't have a track record. Dylan Carlson doesn't have a track record. Tyler O'Neill doesn't have a track record. Juan Yepes, you get where I'm going? Doesn't have a track record. So I am I am concerned about where they're going to get some of their offense, and I, I'm a I am an absolute believer in Lars Newtbar. I'm I'm also a believer in Tyler O'Neill. By the way, I am a believer in those guys personally. But when I evaluate a team, I need to take like my personal beliefs on if I think a guy's going to continue to play at a certain level, or if I think a guy's going to take a step forward. I need to wash that off to the side because we see one-hit wonders all the time in sports where somebody has a period of time or maybe even a full season, and then they have a really hard time recreating that. So when I'm evaluating a team and I am trying to say this for sure is going to happen or this is very likely to happen this year, the first thing I always look for 
is the track record of players where they have done it multiple seasons, and then I feel more comfortable. So that's where I don't feel comfortable with the Cardinals. I don't feel comfortable because outside of Nolan Arenado and, and Paul Goldschmidt, where's the track record? And, you, and to go back to Danzy Swanson, that's one area where like, you kind of know at least a minimum level of production for the Cubs that you're going to get from Danzy Swanson. Uh, I also think the Cardinals need help at the top of the rotation. They're still missing a top of the rotation kind of guy. Whether the Cardinals make those moves before the season, during the offseason, via trade, doesn't seem like a lot is out there via free agency, so it almost feels like it has to be trade or even during the season. I think they address that at some point in time. But here's why John Moselock should not be spending seven years and $177 million on Dansby Swanson. And I've mentioned this before, and I'll just mention it very quickly. Dansby Swanson OPS last year, 776. And his career high OPS is 809. Tommy Edmonds OPS this past year, 725. His career high is 850. Dansby Swanson might be a little bit of a better player than Tommy Edmond. Not a lot better. They are very similar. They are very very similar. So if you're the Cardinals and you go spend seven years and $177 million on a Dansby Swanson type player, in many ways you're throwing money away. That is not a deal that I want the Cardinals going anywhere near. There would have some of those other shortstops on the market made the team better. Yeah, absolutely. Like if we were sitting here talking about a, a Trey Turner or Xander Bogarts, the conversation is different. But to pay Dansby Swanson that much more money and not have Tommy Edmond as your starting shortstop and get just a little bit more production out of Edmond for all this more money? No. No. So good. Good. To, I, if I was a Cubs fan, I would go, ah, could, could have that money been spent better elsewhere? Could have we found a better use of that money? Good on Dansby Swanson. Seven years, $177 million. Happy for you, man. And you're going to go be a nice player for the Cubs, and you're going to come up with some big hits, and you're going to make that team better. But are you going to make it $177 million worth better? I don't know. All right, when we get back, uh, we'll be joined by Nate Gatter. We'll talk uh, some Missouri basketball with him. We will talk some World Cup soccer with him. That's all coming up at Sports Open Line here on KMOX. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is America's Sports Voice. KMOX. Final 
That call from Bally Sports Midwest as Missouri got a nice win uh, over the course of the weekend. They continue their really, really good run to uh, start the season. Uh, Dennis Gates has this team uh, really rolling. They are now 10-1 and after they were able to uh, pick up the 68-66 win against Central Florida as part of the Orange Bowl Basketball Classic being played in Sunrise, Florida. To talk uh, Missouri basketball, also to uh, talk a little World Cup soccer, you have heard him uh, here on KMOX. He has uh, been broadcasting the uh, City 2 games. He is uh, Nate Gatter. You see him on uh, SEC uh, Network Plus, at Nate Gatter on Twitter. Hey, Nate, how are you? I'm good, Matt. How are you? Nate, by the way, joining us on the Quiver River guest line. Uh, That was quite the win for uh, Missouri Tigers. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. I was kind of curious what it was going to look like, what kind of bounce back they would have after that one-sided loss against Kansas. And and that's not a bad Central Florida team. Uh, It's a neutral site, but it was kind of a road game because they were down in the state of Florida and they were able to come up with enough plays. They, They come up with one more play than Central Florida and come away with the win. Yeah, I think uh, I think your point is exactly right. That you know, I think a lot of people were were expecting or at least hoping for a, a pretty substantial bounce back because that loss to Kansas, well predictable, was nonetheless disappointing. And, and I think even if Mizzou fans would have been uh, resigned to the fact that it was going to be an uphill battle, losing by 28 points at home is, is a tough pill to swallow, no matter what. So I, you know, it's good to see them bounce back. And like you said, that that's not a bad UCF team. You know, a, a win over Ole Miss on the road lost by two to, to Miami on their resume and overtime went over Oklahoma state. It went over Florida state. So, you know, they've given problems to some power conference schools this year. Um, and, and as you said, you know, neutral site is maybe selling it a little bit short, maybe more of a 75, 25 uh, of UCF home game. Um, so, you know, m- maybe not the easiest game in the world to have to try to get right before this really tough stretch they have coming up, but, uh, and definitely didn't win it pretty. I mean, a, a game in the sixties has not been the trend for them this year. Generally a high scoring team that uh, has, has put up a lot of points and given up a lot of points in, in stark contrast to the, the Conzo Martin era. So uh, really just sort of an odd game. And uh, you know, obviously you, you don't draw it up to have a guy on the floor with the assist to uh, a guy who banks in a 35 footer to win it. But uh, I think uh, with where Mizzou is right now, they'll take it. We'll look at the start of SEC play in a moment because this five-game stretch is a really, really tough stretch, but just this three-game stretch where it's going uh, Kansas, Central Florida, Illinois, it really felt like that Central Florida game, if there is a trap game, that could have been it between the Kansas and Illinois. So I think even more credit goes their way for finding a way to win. Yeah, if anything, you know, it's funny you say that because I, I think that would be especially true if they had won the Kansas game. I guess if there's any silver lining to losing it, it's that, you know, UCF then, forget about trap game, it almost becomes a must win in the stretch of, you know, the Kansas before, then Illinois in, in the bragging rights game on Thursday. And then, as you said, you know, SEC play starts tough with Kentucky at home and Arkansas on the road. So, you know, it's almost uh, it almost was must win for UCF or, or for Mizzou against UCF, I should say, because, you know, now they've got a tough matchup against Illinois, and, and you could have been – it wouldn't have been out of the realm of possibility, let's say, if that Golston shot doesn't bank home, that Mizzou could have gone from a 10-0 start to a five-game losing streak, which is just a devastating blow in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, if nothing else, this puts them in a better place mentally going into a, a really, really tough three games. It's interesting just when you look at what their schedule has been – where, with all due respect to all of their opponents, even Wichita State, who is not great this year and they've lost some more games, they go from playing that schedule, which was 
one of the easier schedules in all of college basketball to all of a sudden going Kansas, Illinois, Kentucky, Arkansas in four or five games. I don't know if there's another team in the nation that's going to have the pivot that they're having. No, I wouldn't think so. And, you know, that's, that's sort of why I say, I mean, losing by 28 points at home to a, to a massive rival is bad, no matter what. There's no way around it. I was surprised by the optimism that I saw among Mizzou fans in the lead-up to that game, and to be fair, by the optimism I saw from Vegas about Mizzou in the lead-up to that game. So it's, it's not all on Mizzou fans. You know, there were, the experts were expecting that game to be played you know, within five points. Uh, And that just didn't work out. And I was always skeptical. I don't know that I thought they were going to lose by 28. But like you say, you know, that that schedule was not a gauntlet to start the season. And we're talking about a team that gave up 91 to Southern Indiana, 85 to Penn, 80 to SIUE, you know, 89 to SEMO. And now they were winning all those games. And in some cases, like the SIUE game, they put up over 100 and won comfortably. But I think when you're giving up that many points, to those kind of teams, you're putting a tremendous amount of onus on, in particular, your shooting in, in a matchup like they had against Kansas. And if Mizzou has an off night like they did against Kansas, makes some uncharacteristic mistakes, turns the ball over in the first half, those sorts of things, your defense is just not going to be there for you. I think they've proven that, right? You hear a lot, especially toward the end of the season, about defense travels, defense wins in the NCAA tournament. You know, defense is, is something that you should be able to count on night in and night out because defense isn't going to go cold. And I think what we're finding out with this Mizzou team, at least where they are right now, is their high upside but low floor, right? High ceiling, low floor, I guess you would say, because they can score 100. I think they could score 90-plus against almost anybody. You know, if the shots are falling, they can score with any team in the country almost. But if the shots aren't falling, they can lose by 20-plus to just about any decent team. And so that, you know, I guess it's fun if if you look at it as there's a tremendous amount of volatility and they're a team that can upset, you know, a better opponent on paper any given night, and there are worse things than that. Uh, But I think it also means that there are going to be very few, if any, comfortable games for Mizzou in SEC play. So I don't even know what the question is that I'm asking here because I want to be respectful of all situations going on. But the, the Isaiah Mosley thing is weird. He didn't play some games, and, and, and Gates is saying, you know what, there, there's, there's no like player discipline issues here. There's some personal stuff going on. And me personally, I'm always going to be respectful of the personal issues. And then you see him play the nine minutes against Central Florida, and he doesn't score, and he played a little bit against Southeast Missouri State. He, he, he didn't score. I, I just... I don't know. I, like Again, I don't know what the question is here, but it certainly does feel like they need him, they need him more, and whatever the situation is, it would be nice if it could get figured out. Yeah, it's confusing. Um, obviously, like you say, the first thing is that if there are private things that need to be made private, then that's how it is. Um, and, uh, you know, clearly something has changed for him um, compared to where he was last year when he was playing at a level that few, if any, mid-major players in the country were when he was at Missouri State. And so, you know, perhaps something has changed uh, behind the scenes in his personal life, whatever, since then. Um, We don't know, and we really can't speculate about it. I will say this. I think the Mizzou, the media who cover Mizzou, I don't want to say the Mizzou media because that implies that they, they work for or support the university in some way. They are just the independent media covering Mizzou in this state. I think 
shies away sometimes from these sorts of stories, and perhaps understandably so. Perhaps the journalists who cover the team on a regular basis know the actual reason through their sourcing or through their back channeling and have made the decision that, that, that they don't think it's responsible to report that because of the nature of the information, which is perfectly fine. That said, some of the messaging I see, including from journalists who cover the program on a regular basis, not the biggest name ones, not the ones in St. Louis and in Kansas City, but some of the journalists who cover the program is about how it's none of our business what's going on with him. And I do agree to a certain extent if it's, a, if it's something of a personal nature. Now, the uncomfortable conversation to have about that, though, is especially when you focus on the word business in an NIL world. It is the very literal business of a decent number of people, not the average Mizzou fan, maybe not me, maybe not you. But there are people who have invested a not insignificant amount of resources in getting Isaiah Mosley to Columbia, not because they so badly wanted him to enroll at Mizzou, but because they so badly wanted him to represent Mizzou on the court and do the things that he was doing for Missouri State. Does that mean that he's beholden to do that no matter what is going on in his personal life? Of course not. But I do think his story could be an interesting cautionary tale potentially for NIL circumstances. Um, And I hope uh, that it doesn't end up having an adverse effect on what some of those Mizzou boosters might be willing to do from an NIL standpoint Mm. in the future to try to attract a similarly high profile transfer. If what ends up happening this year is that some boosters shell out a substantial amount of money and in return, Isaiah mostly rarely plays and is not effective. That's one heck of an answer when I didn't even know what the question was. So kudos to you on that. It's I didn't even like are from what you're hearing, like is there frustration from some of these people who are connected to that world in the university? I don't want to go that far. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not deep enough in to be talking about university sources or anything of that nature. Um I think that I think the thread emotionally that I see among Missouri fans is pretty consistent, which is they feel frustrated, but not necessarily with Isaiah, certainly not with Isaiah. Maybe at the beginning, there was a little bit of frustration with Dennis Gates about how he chose to handle it. But again, he, if that means he's having to take heat for a kid, you know, that's part of his job. And I think we should respect that as well. Um, So I don't see a lot of animosity being directed toward him or toward Isaiah, Isaiah, certainly, or any of that. I see a lot of people who, like we've talked about, are understanding of the fact that if you have personal things going on, sometimes that interferes with whatever else is going on in your life. And that can apply even if you're a professional athlete who makes a lot of money, right? That sometimes those guys, you know, things happen. Um, I think the frustration is more just about the circumstances, right? Mizzou fans have this complex about how anything that can go wrong will go wrong and all of that. Um, and, And so I think that's more than anything. It's the, the disappointment rather than the frustration of feeling like, they were so excited about this big name guy who was coming in. This is the sort of guy that Mizzou doesn't always get, doesn't often get. And they were so excited to see what he could do. And it just feels like we've never gotten on track for factors that they can't even put their finger on. And that is obviously a frustrating and disappointing thing. Even if that frustration and disappointment is not directed at anyone in the sense of any animosity, that's my feeling. And I, and that's what I, what I've seen represented is just a lot of people, Sad, I guess, that it hasn't worked out better so far and losing hope that it will work out better in the future. I think there is still some hope, and obviously there's still a lot of season left to play. So hopefully for the kids' sake as well as for the team's sake, 
um, that can all get moving in the right direction. Um, but regardless, the most important thing is, is his health and well-being. Nate Gatter continues to join us. Let's switch gears, talk a little soccer. Yesterday, World Cup uh, wrapping up. Uh, Argentina gets a win uh, in, in, in penalties. And they um, everybody's saying this is the greatest World Cup final that, that's ever been played. I am not one to speak to that, but you are. Where does yesterday's game rank, and how much did you enjoy the way that match played out? I think it has to be number one, um, primarily because of the, that word enjoy. Um, I think a lot of times, as much as I love the sport and we all love the spectacle of something like the World Cup, it's in many cases disappointing when you get to the final because the pressure is so immense that even for players of that ability and of that professionalism and of that experience, it can be overwhelming and difficult to cope with that level of pressure, literally billions of people watching the game. And so sometimes that, that game devolves into 90 minutes of 22 grown men standing on the field praying that they are not the one who makes a life-defining and country-affecting mistake, right? They are just they are all paralyzed by that fear, and so we don't get to see a lot of the positivity, a lot of the open play, a lot of the aggression that we really like to see where teams are pushing the issue and, and trying to force the pace and creating action. And soccer, unfortunately, this is one of the only things that, that I, to criticize about it, is that if two teams want to play that way, they can if they want to play in a very cagey way where they just sort of feel each other out and are afraid to open themselves up, they can. These two teams did not do that. And that is just rare in a game of this magnitude. And it was phenomenal to watch the end-to-end stuff. And then you add into that the narratives of what this meant for Messi's career and having, you know, that now I think inarguably greatest player of his generation, potentially the greatest player of all time, putting it out there maybe for the last time in a truly competitive fixture for Argentina against the player who maybe is already the best in the world as it stands, and certainly the man who is pushing to take over that mantle next if he hasn't already taken it in Kylian Mbappe, who was just as good, if not better, than Messi on the day, and it just wasn't quite enough. I mean, just phenomenal. The narrative, it, it had literally everything that you want in a sporting event. I cannot imagine how there could have been more drama, more excitement, more, better quality of play or better narratives. And uh, I, would, I hope that a lot of maybe soccer agnostic folks in the U.S. were tuned in because I can think of uh, no better advertisement for the game or, or, for that matter, advertisement for St. Louis City joining Major League Soccer uh, and bringing the game to our city at the top level in this country in just a couple of months. Not to take it down, but should a World Cup final be decided in PKs? It's frustrating. Uh, I don't like penalties. I don't think anybody likes penalties. It's a question of what solution can you pose to solve the problem. Um, And I haven't heard a lot that I really like. The benefit of penalties is the drama. Um, And I don't think it's the worst thing in the world that that goalkeeping, which sometimes is on the back burner, can can come to the forefront. Um, I would prefer something that, that tries to preserve something approaching real soccer even into into all the way to the end to deciding a winner um the only solution that i have ever thought of in my own mind and this is just me throwing things out there people can like it or not like it is rather than the current extra time system when you get to the end of 90 minutes we're just going to play successive 10 minute extra time periods 
the game could end at the end of any one of those 10-minute segments if one team or the other is ahead. No goal and goal, but only 10-minute segments rather than the current 30 full minutes that has to be played. And starting at the 90-minute mark, when we begin extra time with each session, each team has to take a player off. So the first extra time is 10v10, 9, then 99, 8v8, 7v7, mm. and we go until – and I hope that as you create all that more space on the field, kind of like hockey going down to three-on-three, three, that you would – find a goal pretty quickly and that hopefully you would have a winner within the first two periods of extra time, certainly within the first three. And that would, so, I mean, by that point you're down to eight V eight and that would be getting to 120 minutes, which is the amount they play now. So it wouldn't be asking any more of the players physically. I think it would be the rare game that would go beyond that and get to 130 or 140. And at that point, you're down to 77 and 66. And I would think the goals would have to be flying in left and right. Mike Claiborne today said go unlimited substitutions once you get into, uh, once you finish regulation. Sure. I mean, uh, yeah, at that point, you know, you'd be staring at potentially, I mean, uh, a whole other game, right? That that you'd be, you'd be basically resetting and potentially having 11 new players on the field by the end. Um, I think World Cup, I don't remember the exact size of the squad. I want to say it's like 20, it was 26 for this World Cup. I think. And, you know, so two of those are going to be backup goalkeepers, but you're going to have, uh, you know, what is that like 13, 14 players who are, who are available as substitutes. So yeah, I'm not totally opposed to that. Um, You know, but then I think if we had a game, especially if you went 11 v 11 the whole time, it wouldn't be out of the question to have a game that goes another 45 minutes or more without a goal. You'd probably have to play golden goal, which has ramifications and you're staring at the possibility of then a world cup final being decided and the likes of Messi and Mbappe are no longer on the field because they have to come to pure human exhaustion. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's worth exploring. I don't know that it'll ever happen, but I don't know anybody who says, yeah, penalties are my favorite thing in the world. So I think everybody's open to a solution. If we could find one, he is Nate Gatter. You see him doing a uh, Missouri games on SEC network. Plus you heard him here on KMOX doing uh, the city uh, two games. Nate, always great to talk to you. Thank you so much for your uh, expertise. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you, sir. Have a great night. All right. Very good. There's Nate Gatter. I'm Matt Pauley. This is sports open line on KMOX. This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Kansas City. KMOX. We do continue on here on a Monday night. Only have you for about 15 more minutes as we are taking you till Monday night football tonight. Again, the Rams and the Packers, the game from Green Bay, Wisconsin and uh, Lambeau Field. I don't know how cold it is in Wisconsin right now and whether or not it is the frozen tundra. Although I'm watching ESPN right now and uh, you can clearly see the cold breath coming out of people's mouths. So it looks to be uh, 15 degrees. Okay, it's cold. It is cold. So, yeah, frozen tundra, that works. It is very cold tonight. It was um, it was funny one time. I did the Lambeau Field tour once, and it's all bleacher seating in most of the like – it looks so uncomfortable. And you are like sardines in there. Like, as a big dude, I looked at the amount of space that they have for each person on the bleachers – and I went, like, my butt's not going to fit in that small spot. Like, it's just not. And I went during the summertime, and they joked about the fact that there were heaters on the seats because the seats were like 100 degrees since it was hot that day. But obviously, that is very, very 
very cold. All right, let's uh, switch gears. We'll talk some Blues hockey. They are back at tonight as they are looking to extend their winning streak. They're playing some pretty good hockey right now. The roller coaster ride that is the St. Louis Blues season, it does continue. The Blues have won three in a row and four of their last six, and they uh, play tonight in Vancouver. Late night, by the way. Late night. If you're looking for it uh, on TV this evening, going, I thought the Blues were playing tonight. Well, you're probably just looking a little bit too early. They are not going to uh, drop that puck until 9.30 tonight. Is that the latest game they play this year? It might be. They have a 9.30 game against San Jose in March and then against the Kings in March and then in Anaheim and L.A. in March as well. So with all four 9.30 games in the month of March. So of all games not played in the month of March, this is the latest start for the Blues this year. Craig Berube spent some time uh, speaking with the media earlier today in Vancouver, opened up just by uh, talking about uh, his thoughts on playing this Canucks team tonight. Yeah, they got good skill. You know, Peter Patterson, Horvat, Miller, Hughes. You know, he got to got to do a good job against those guys. And, um, you know, when you're out there against them, um, taking time and space away, checking them, you know, it's important. They got good power plays, so we got to stay disciplined. You've had good success against them, though, in, in recent years. So maybe... Uh... Well, that's in the past. You know, we're focused on today and how things are today and how they look today. And, you know, I don't really look at the past. Uh, did Brown not make it yet, or is he not no, joining you? got canceled because of the weather. Yeah, so he'll be in today at some point. Chief, what's important for the start to the game for you tonight? Uh, for me, it, you know, for me it's um, just being direct with the puck for the most part. Like, I think, you know, um, as much as we can make them turn and play in their own end and defend would be um, ideal. So just being direct with the puck. You know, getting it north, getting it up, getting it in the zone and going to work. And early on, you know, in the offensive zone, like, don't make hope plays, you know. Hang on to the puck, compete with it. Make strong plays with the puck. Um, you know, we, we make hope plays that's going to give them free ice to break out of their zone. Um, so that kind of stuff's what's um, for me, is important in the start tonight. You've been a little better at that lately, though, haven't you? you yeah. Yeah, we still got to get better, though. Like, you know, it's good, but it's not good enough, you know, so it can be better. Rosen hasn't been playing much. Is it anything that he's not doing, or is it that no, Portuzo's playing yeah, well? Yeah, the decor's been good, and, uh, you know, boards with PK and uh, things like that is important. So that's all it is with Rosen. He'll get a chance somewhere down the line, right? Very well, yeah. That's Craig Berube earlier today in Vancouver talking with the media, mostly uh, Jim. Did anybody other than Jim Thomas ask a question? Okay, somebody else. I missed. I wasn't specifically listening to the questions. I was listening more to the answers, but mostly, mostly Jim Thomas uh, doing the question asking there in the media scrum earlier today. No disrespect meant to any other media member who happened to uh, be there talking to, uh, to Craig Berube. A win tonight guarantees a winning road trip because they've won the first two. And these road trips can kind of wear on you. I always think it's important, and maybe I'm applying baseball standards to hockey, and I don't always get that right when I do. But I, you, when you go on a long road trip, like in baseball, when you go on one of those three-city, ten-gamer trips, you really want to have success in like the first two series 
because more often than not, it's not going to go so well for you at the end of the trip. It's a long time to be on the road. This is a long time to be on the road. I think there is some value in, you know, they played those first two games as a back-to-back. Then they were able to travel out of Calgary after Friday night's game. They had Saturday and Sunday in Vancouver, so that was kind of a nice respite. And now they'll play another back-to-back today with Vancouver and Seattle. They're, you know, they don't have to travel far to get from Vancouver to Seattle. That's probably... I don't know for sure. I guess that's not much more than an hour-long flight. So they should be able to do that pretty quickly uh, before they wrap things up on Friday in Vegas. So really, okay, so you think about this. You look at Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle, and Vegas. Of those five cities, the places you would most want to have some time off uh, would probably, for me personally, would be Vancouver and Vegas, and Seattle would probably be third. Uh, but I would, I'd love to be in Vancouver for a few days. Vegas is always a good place to be for a few days. That's what they're getting. They got two days off in Vancouver, and now after playing the game tomorrow in Seattle, they'll get Wednesday and Thursday. Presumably, they'll go to Vegas. I guess they could stay in Seattle. I'm not their travel agent. I don't know for sure how they're booking travel, but uh, yeah, in all likelihood they will be able to spend a couple days there in Vegas. Alright, one more break. When we uh, come back, we'll uh, get back into a little bit of uh, baseball. Also, uh, talk through some college football news. We uh, heard today from uh, Eli Drinkwitz, who's going to be calling plays for Missouri in the bowl game, and it's somebody who's called plays before. And it might be the person who was talking. We'll talk about that in a moment. It's Sports Open Line on KMOX. News Radio KMOX, the home of the Cardinals. Is this the first time we've run a Christmas song on Sports Open Line this year? All right. I'm not against it. I like Christmas music. I like Christmas music more now than I did previously because I have a uh, three-year-old daughter who loves Christmas music. So I enjoy seeing her enjoy things. Let me ask you this, Matt Pajeski. So today, speaking of my daughter, I wasn't planning on mentioning this, but we've got just a couple minutes left in the program. Uh, see if you uh, agree with my uh, my decision. My three-year-old daughter goes to preschool. She goes to preschool at a, uh, at a Lutheran church slash school. And uh, my wife does some work there as well. So today is her Christmas party. And I was going to go. So I'm looking through my closet trying to find something Christmassy to wear. And no, I'm not wearing it right now as Pajeski veers over to the side to see if I'm wearing a Christmas thing. I'm not. Uh, I I subscribe to a, uh, a subscription box where I get stuff every three months from it's, it's the it's licensed gear from The Office, the TV show, The Office. So I had this Christmas sweater with Michael Scott as Santa Claus and says something along the lines of, I forget the exact quote, but the best way uh, to show show Christmas cheer, to show people you care is by getting them presents. I put it on and then it hit me like, is I'm going to like, it's sort of a church function. It's at a church. Like, is this, is this the message I want to send? So I took that shirt off and I put on a different shirt. The shirt I ended up putting on was like the a postcard of from Dunder Mifflin. And it said Merry Christmas from Dunder Mifflin because I've been getting Christmas stuff from him for like three years. So was did I make the you, you are a you are a Lutheran. Yeah. Uh did I make the right decision in my uh in what I wore? I think you made the right call. Okay. Although I don't think us Lutherans, we're not like too uptight about things like that. I don't I don't think you would have gotten any comments, but people might have been thinking 
it went through Judging. my head like do I do I wear this yeah. and then I got there and not everybody I didn't even need to wear Christmas stuff oh. not everybody was wearing Christmas stuff I just didn't know I didn't know so that's uh, that's what I did really quickly before we get out of here we're done early for Monday Night Football tonight Packers and Rams from Green Bay uh, Missouri football coach Eli Drinkwitz announcing today that he is going to call plays in the Gasparilla Bowl against Wake Forest. He had not called plays for the final few games of the regular season. He handed that off to quarterbacks coach Bush Hamden. Hamden has left the program to become the offensive coordinator at Boise State. So uh, Drinkwitz is just going to go ahead and call plays. And of course, before he was the Missouri football coach, he was known for his play calling ability. He's also going to serve as the quarterbacks coach as they continue to get ready uh, for that game just a few more days. So they've been doing uh, that as well. The bigger question is, what do they do moving forward? And uh, Drinkwood said he would have some type of announcement on that after the season comes to an end. He's a good play caller. This is nothing against his play calling, but there is a lot going on in a game, and he's still a relatively young Power 5 head coach. It went better when he wasn't calling plays, so I am hopeful for Missouri that they are able to bring somebody in, bring in a whiz play caller who can kind of be on the same page as Drinkwitz. All right, that's it for this edition of Sports Open Line. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 6 to 8, here on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.